As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. What is up? Happy Friday. It's Megan Huber here. And by the time you listen to this episode, if you listen to it on the day it's released, I will be on the other side of Florida on the East Coast attending a business event. I'm so excited. I also have a roommate. And anytime I go to a live event, I always love rooming with someone Sometimes who people who I don't know, I can tend to be someone who, when the event is over at the end of the evening, I will just go back to the room, order room service and, and read a book or work on writing copy or content or something. And you really shortchange yourself and you shortchange all the other participants at the event because you could be getting together with people and building relationships. And who knows what could come from those relationships? It can be a lifelong friendship collaboration opportunities, ideas, inspiration, creativity. So I always make myself room with someone so that I'm more likely to go out, have fun, meet people, build relationships. And I'm just so excited for this one. Uh, I don't even, I don't think I've ever met anyone in person who's going to be at this particular event. In fact, I don't even know who's going to be there. I don't think I know a single person. And that really excites me in the past. I would have had a lot of anxiety around that. I would have had some social anxiety around that, but I've been getting a lot of practice in over the last few years. So I'm just so excited and I can't wait to bring back to the show some things that I learn and walk away with from the event. So at the time of this recording, it is Wednesday morning at 8.15 a.m. and I still need to take a shower, finish packing and hit the road by 9.30 a.m. So we are going to get this in. We're going to have a blast today on the show. Today's topic is about harnessing your power as a group program, mastermind, retreat, or event leader. Harnessing your power. That can be really scary for us, those of us who are leading groups of people in our group coaching programs or our mastermind programs, or if you're running a retreat or live events, doing things in person. Because one of the things that we fear the most as a leader of groups of people is that we are going to be disliked. And because we have this fear that people are not going to like us, we tend to approach leading people, even your team. You can absolutely apply this to your team as well if you have one. But we approach leading people from a more laid back, let people have their freedom, uh, really chill place. And that is the exact opposite of harnessing our power. And you may think that, well, I want all of my students and clients in my program or at my retreat or attending my event just to be like super flowy and free flowing and feel like they have all this freedom and to just kind of like go about their thing and do it the way they want it. They want to do it. And that just doesn't work. Uh, I'll kick this off with an example. I, at one time in my twenties was a high school business education teacher. 
And I believe I started teaching, I think my first teaching gig, I was actually a long-term substitute in an English class for high school. The teacher went on maternity leave. I was in graduate school getting my master's degree in teaching certification. And I took over her English classroom. And then at the end of that year, because it was at the end of the year, I got hired as a full-time teacher there, had my own classroom. It was actually the high school that I graduated from in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. It was Northwood High School. And if anybody from there is listening, give me a shout. I became a business education teacher. Now, here's the thing about teaching business education. Number one, it's an elective. It's an elective, which means it's not a required course that your students take. So because it's an elective, it's also not dependent on your students being in a certain grade. So that means in one class, I could have 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders, boys and girls. And then all across the board, you could have students who were barely passing school all the way up to the valedictorian you know, caliber of the school and everything in between in the same class, in the same class, which means you also have Uh, students who have IEPs, which is an individual education plan. You have children who are labeled with learning disabilities. You have children who act out. They have behavior stuff going on. You have kids who haven't even had a meal that day because of their household environment. And then you've got like the super quiet kids. You have the loud kids. You have the class class. Like you literally have everything in your classroom. On top of that, I was teaching computer classes. It was business education which meant every single one of my students were sitting in front of a computer, which also meant when I'm teaching and standing at the front of the classroom, guess what I see? The backs of their computers. The other piece, the other distraction I had in my room were my chairs. My chairs were rolly chairs. They were rolly chairs. And I had a like concrete floor, like a, you know, like a tile floor. So kids wanted to roll around the classroom. And then I think at one time my chairs got upgraded and they became like really nice office chairs. Not only did they roll, they could also spin. Literally, you you know, when you sit in your chair, I'm in one right now, I have an office chair that I'm sitting in. You can just spin around, you know, like you kick your feet around and you see how many times you can spin around. So imagine a ninth grade boy who has like no self-control and maybe maybe he's ADD or ADHD. And he's sitting in front of a computer and he's sitting in, in, in a chair that has wheels on it that could also spin. Just imagine what that 14-year-old boy wants to do in your classroom. Multiply that by quite a few of those. Then, oh, by the way, you have students that that just annoys. They don't want to be part of a classroom where that's happening. They want to learn. They want to do the work. They want to hear the teacher. Now think about that teacher. I'm kind of talking about myself. What would happen in that classroom if I was not able to harness my power? I should actually rephrase that. Everybody is able to harness their power. What if I was choosing not to harness my power because I didn't want my students to be mad at me? I want my students to like me. I don't want confrontation. I don't want to have to deal with kicking a kid out of my classroom. I don't want to have to deal with the, you know, having a conversation with a particular student in a way that's actually going to get them to pay attention and kind of calm down. What would that classroom be like if I refused 
or didn't know how to harness my power. Now in a school, especially in a high school and a middle school, you can tell which teachers just walk around the school building. If you just do a lap around the school and you peek into every classroom, you can tell which teachers are harnessing their power and which teachers aren't. Now, if you think back to when you were in school, you may have had some teachers who exercised and enforced their power really well, and you may have had some that didn't. Now, the ones that don't tend to have really poor classroom management. If you walk by their classroom, it's loud. You might see students sitting on top of their desk. You might see a ball of paper fly across the room. You may see a pencil being tossed at someone's head. You may hear the teacher shouting, shouting, raising her voice, saying words that, in my opinion, are pretty inappropriate to say to children in a school building. You will have the group of students who are literally running the class and railroading it, which means your students aren't getting hardly anything out of that class. Now, if you walk by a classroom where work is being done, maybe the students are in small groups, they are you know, exercising project-based learning, everyone's engaged, the teacher is circulating the room, students, it, it doesn't have to be a quiet classroom. So when we talk about harnessing our power, we're not talking about everybody needs to walk in the classroom, be quiet, sit at their desk, not say a word, uh, listen to the teacher, put their head down, do the worksheet, keep their mouth shut, and then pack their bags in silence and then you know, hold their finger on their mouth when they walk to the, the door when it's time for the bell to ring to exit. That's not what we're taught. That's not harnessing power. That's controlling. So when we're harnessing our power, we are creating an environment where every single student in the room is getting and an having the experience that they deserve to have. What I just described about being a classroom teacher is the same as being the leader or, or whatever you call yourself, leader, coach, expert, mentor, consultant of your group program, your mastermind program, if you're running in-person retreats and or live events, whether they are virtual or in-person, it's the same, right? It's the same. Adults are going to operate the same way children do if the leader of the room and of the group isn't enforcing their power. I want to take a quick break here because I want to extend an invitation to you for the Group Coaching Mastery Bootcamp. This is a bootcamp I will be hosting starting next week on Tuesday, April the 26th, 2022 through Friday, the 29th, 2022. We're going to meet each day for about an hour. We're going to meet on Zoom. And here's what the Group Coaching Mastery Bootcamp is all about. I'm going to show you how to design and lead a world-class group coaching experience for your clients so they stay highly engaged, get long-lasting results, continue to work with you, and send amazing referrals. What you'll experience during the bootcamp, you're going to discover the right group coaching model that fits into your lifestyle, honors your skill set, and sets your clients up for success while creating the freedom and income you want from your business. You're going to create a performance-based learning environment for your group coaching clients designed to increase participant engagement, implementation, and accountability, which increases retention and re-enrollment. 
You're also going to learn best practices for the structure, format, and distribution of content and deliverables inside your group program so that you avoid mental and emotional exhaustion while fully supporting how adults learn and get results. You're going to learn how to properly price your group coaching program based on both value and cost so that you attract the right people and meet your financial goals. And you're also going to learn how to attract qualify and enroll top-notch clients into your group coaching program following a high-integrity process, plus do it without the overwhelm or launch burnout. This bootcamp is for you if you meet my criteria. Either you already have a full private coaching practice or consulting practice right now, and you have for a while, like a year or more, and that's your current situation, or you are already offering group programs. You are someone who's already running groups, You've been running groups for, you could either be running your group for the first time and you've got a group of people that you're leading them through your program and your curriculum, or maybe you've been running groups for five to 10 years, whichever this is for you. Number two, you have a strong foundation of marketing and sales and you know how to enroll clients. And number three, you've worked with enough clients at this point to know your proven process that leads to promised results. If you tick those boxes and if you want to truly lead a world-class group program and you want to refine your group program that already exists and you want to increase the resells, renewals, and referrals, and you want to see client engagement go through the roof, which is going to make your job as a leader a heck of a lot easier, by the way, click the link below in the show notes and register for the Group Coaching Mastery Bootcamp. I'm going to be sharing content I have never shared in this way before. And I've got 17 years of experience under my belt leading groups of people, all the way from high school students to a teenage girls tennis team. I was the director of client experience and learning development for a major, major coaching company where we would have you know, three to 500 clients at a time going through 12 month long group programs that were virtual and included live events. And I've also run more than 30 iterations of my own group programs and have conducted more than 20 retreats. So you definitely want to get in this boot camp if you are already clear that group programs or masterminds or retreats, they're all really similar, is one of the main components of your business model. This is for you. And please go share this with your colleagues, peers, and friends who are also running group programs. It's going to be amazing for them as well. So let's dive into a bit more of our content. I've already given you some examples of what it looks like to harness your power and what it looks like if you don't harness your power. And I use the example of a classroom teacher in a school. It's very similar when you're running your programs. Now, I think where leaders tend to forget about this element is that we're all working with adults. If you're listening to this, more than likely, your clients are of an adult mature age. And so as leaders in our mind, we think, well, they're just going to act like I do. They're going to operate like I do. I show up. I'm always on time. When I join a program, I play full out, I'm all in, I contribute, I support, I do the work, I take action. And we have this assumption that everybody else operates just like us. And we have this assumption about people, about adults, 
that they're just going to naturally bond as a group. They're going to naturally feel like a, a community as a group. They're going to naturally just fully engage all in like a star student. They are going to naturally contribute and support each other. They're going to naturally all go take all this action and get amazing results. And they're all going to naturally respect, respect themselves, respect everybody else in the program and respect me as a leader. We have those assumptions. And because we're going into our leadership position inside of our group programs with those assumptions, we do not harness our power or we harness our power at the very beginning, but then we don't enforce our power. And then crazy things happen inside of our programs. So I was jotting down some notes before I went live to record this. And I came up with three mistakes that I'm often, I've, I've done it myself. And these are the top mistakes that I see in my own clients running groups and peers and colleagues that seek me out to ask me questions about how to improve the groups that they're running right now, because they're super frustrated. One, the first mistake is telling clients during your initial orientation call, which typically for most group leaders, it's a one-time 60-minute call, although I have a very different approach to an onboarding process. But it's telling the clients during that orientation what to expect, how to get the most out of the experience, and house rules. So the first mistake there is they're doing all the telling. And the second mistake here is that's where it stops. Number two, mistake number two, not telling clients the above. So what I just shared in number one, not telling them that. So not telling them what to expect, not telling them how to get the most out of the experience, not telling them what the house rules are and assuming that the clients read it all in the contract that they signed. I've heard that. I've heard that one where, you know, you're shocked. I'll have people come to me and they're so shocked that their clients are not doing what they signed and said they were going to do. I was like, how many people do you actually think read the contract? Most people don't. They do not read the contract in full. They might read the refund policy or the termination policy, but beyond that, they're not reading anything. So don't expect that any of your clients, if you give them reading material, are reading about the expectations, house rules, and how to get the most out of the experience. That was mistake number two. Mistake number three is only exercising their power up front maybe in that contract or in that initial orientation call, but not upholding, exercising, and enforcing your power throughout the entire program all the way until the end. This is the one that I see most often. Only exercising your power up front, but not upholding, exercising, and enforcing your power throughout the entire program. This is where you start to see all the little problems start to rise to the surface and bubble up. And then you've got such a problem on your hands that you are now faced with spending additional time. You're faced with a, an additional load of stress. You're faced with an additional load of pressure. And now you've got to go have some pretty seriously uncomfortable conversations. So what happens when we don't exercise and enforce our power throughout the entire duration of the program as the group program leader or mastermind or retreat or event? It's all one and the same. So I'll tell you a story about one of my clients who's experienced this off and on over the last couple of years running her groups. One of my clients started her coaching business in the summer of 2020. This is the seventh business that she has started in the last 30 years. 
but it's the first time she has started a business in the coaching industry. And naturally, she's teaching what she learned and experienced during her 30-year career in marketing and branding and as an entrepreneur. Over the course of the last two years in her flagship group program, which she started out with, she didn't start out with one-on-one, she started out with a group. She has served about 100 or more people in her program. And she has six-figure launches 90% of the time that she launches. Every once in a while, she'll have a launch that doesn't quite get to 100K. Those are really rare for her, but almost every single time she launches, she's doing a six-figure launch, which means she's making many multiples of six figures a year just from this one group coaching program alone, which is 90% of her income. Because of her background and expertise in marketing and branding, she doesn't really need a lot of guidance from me in those two topics, which is, that's really cool because most business owners running groups, they also need a heck of a lot of support in the marketing and sales category. This particular client doesn't because that's her background for the last 30 years. So where I have spent the majority of my time with this client, it's on the topics of people, whether it's with her team or with her clients. And what she's experienced a few times in her program is a shift in the power dynamics. She'll start off really strong in the beginning. She'll lay down the ground rules and she has elevated that process like over and over and over and over again. So throughout every iteration of her program, she has just like massively elevated, really stepping into owning, exercising and enforcing her power from start to finish. I mean, she literally is like a different type of leader a year into year and a half into working with her. So she would typically start off really strong in the beginning of her program, have that orientation call, lay down the ground rules, then probably subconsciously assume that all those ground rules and expectations would be followed by her mature adult clients. After all, she's working with grown women. So here's an example of what can happen in your group program when you do not enforce your power throughout. And in this particular client's program, this was it was sometime last year. It, it's probably been a year at this point, maybe, maybe a little, actually a little more. Yeah. It's been about a year, maybe a little more than a year. One particular member of my client's program decided to take it upon herself to rally a subset of troops. So it was like a handful of other members of this group program. She decided to create a separate Facebook group, basically for the program but for only this one little click of clients that she rallied together to follow her. And it turned into gossip sessions about my client and about the program. And all of a sudden, my client found out about this because four to five of her clients who were part of this click, but she didn't know they were part of this click, started reaching out to her one by one by one by one, asking to leave the program. Not because they weren't seeing results, not because the program isn't designed with a full curriculum that is ever evolving and being upgraded and elevated all the time, not because there isn't a team supporting them in addition to the leader, which is my client, not because the program's not personalized enough. Here's what happened. This happened because the power shifted from the leader of the group program to a member of the group. And that only happens when the leader of the group stops exercising and enforcing their power. In any group, 
If the leader doesn't exercise their power throughout the entire engagement, the power will shift to someone else in the group, which ends up typically being harmful to themselves and to everybody else in the, in the program. In this case, one member convinced a handful of other members to dislike the program and the coach enough that they asked to be released from their contracts or asked for a refund. My client then had to spend hours of her time doing damage control, having uncomfortable and also unnecessary conversations with all these clients and the ringleader. And this also took time and energy away from all the other participants. Meanwhile, part of being in a group as a participant, whether you're attending a live event, a retreat, you're in a mastermind or your group program, you are there just as equally for the connections, the community, and the relationship building opportunity. You might actually learn more or just as much from other participants as you do from the leader of the group. So when you see a small little group, a click form like that, and they form their own Facebook group, they're now not showing up with the other participants. So now they've just taken that away from all the other participants. But the leader of the group kind of allowed that to happen because she wasn't exercising her power. Now, that's just one example. I see stuff like this happening all the time inside of people's group programs. And the answer is harness your power throughout. I have another example for you. Have you ever been in a group program? You're attending a call or this might happen on lots of calls every single week in the program where you are the participant and one particular client takes up more than enough time with the coach or leader while everyone else in the program in, in the Zoom room is sitting there muted, mics are muted and they're listening and they watch either, and they go throughout that whole entire 60 or 90 minute call. And they either are not getting a turn at all because this other person is taking up so much of the time, or they're getting a very short turn compared to this one particular client. Now, usually that's happening because the client is telling really long stories from the past that are completely unnecessary and they're not getting to their question. Now, there's nothing wrong with the client doing that. The issue is where the group leader isn't stopping it and stepping in and saying, are you getting to your question? Is there a question here? What is your question? Would you like to form a question? Is this story leading to a question? And you say it just like that. And typically, without a stutter, your client will immediately go into what their question is. So really remember that when you're running a group, you want to give everybody in your group equal opportunity. And if you're letting one particular client hijack the majority of the call, nobody else is gaining anything from that. And they actually don't feel like they're part of your program and they don't feel like they're connected. They don't feel like they belong. They don't feel seen and heard. Now, because you're trying to be so generous to this one client, you're actually being disingenuous to everybody else in the program. And you are now positioning all the clients in the program in a harmful place. Now they're not really getting anything out of your program. This is then where you start to see lack of engagement, lack of show up rates, lack of taking action. And then your obviously those clients more than likely are not going to renew in the program and they probably will not send you referrals. So here is 
a quick little lesson, and we're going to wrap up today's episode. Uh, I'm also going to talk more deeply about this topic in next week's Group Coaching Mastery Bootcamp. So if you want to dive into more of this, also, well, click the link below and register, register, name, email. And if somebody referred you, which maybe it's me because you're here, uh, go get registered. I want to see you show up live. We're hosting this on Zoom and you are going to get into breakout rooms a lot and have conversations with other participants who are running group programs as well. So not only are you going to sit and listen to me yap and give you amazing information and content, you're going to learn and get so much insight from the other participants in this free bootcamp. Not to mention, you're going to be contributing to everybody else as well. And you're going to have a bit of a simulation of what it's like to be a participant in a group program where the leader is exercising and harnessing her power. In this case, it'll be me. And I'm going to be demonstrating and being the example to you and modeling it beyond just teaching it to you. So you definitely want to sign up because I guarantee this is unlike any other free boot camp or challenge or whatever you call it you've ever attended. So here's a quick lesson to wrap things up. I want you to think about rules of engagement, rules of engagement of your group program. Rules of engagement only comes from being very clear on the purpose and the values of your group program, retreat, live event, or mastermind. They are yours. You are creating the purpose for your group program. You are establishing the values of your group program. Therefore, you are creating the rules of engagement as well. They are yours. What rules of engagement needs to be put in place so that the outcome you are promising in your group is met? And how will you enforce them? Think about those questions, write them down, answer them. And if you're not clear on your program purpose, the values of your program, and the promise of your program, we're covering this on Tuesday of the boot camp. We're going to cover that on the first day of the boot camp. So make sure you attend. And then how will you enforce them? What is that going to look like? I'll give you an example. Every single month I run something called a brain trust. It's a leadership roundtable. I never know who's going to show up. People do have to register, but usually no one in the room knows each other. And the way that I structure that 60 minute call, I incorporate three separate breakout rooms. Now, I also promise that we are going to end on time, which means I'm not going to go more than like a minute over the 60 minutes. So because of that, everything has to be timed. And if it's not timed, either we won't get through the material or somebody's going to be shortchanged or you end up needing 30 extra minutes and then people are pissed off because they only allotted an hour to be there. So in the breakout rooms, I time them. And I time them depending on whether our breakout rooms are three people or four people. Typically, our breakout rooms are about eight minutes long. So let's assume each breakout room in my brain trust is eight minutes. So I'm going to do three rounds of eight minutes. If there are four people per breakout room, each person is going to get two minutes. Well, how do they know that their two-minute time is up? Well, I assign responsibilities to participants and I share with them as I'm giving them instructions about how to navigate the breakout room they are about to enter into. I say, as soon as you enter into the breakout room, determine someone volunteer and determine who is going to be the timekeeper. Take out your timekeeping device, which is typically your phone, go to the timer, set it for two minutes. And as soon as that buzzer goes off, you say time's up. 
It doesn't matter if that person who's talking is done or not. You move to the next person. The timer sets their timer for two minutes. When that buzzer goes off, they can raise up their phone. They can say time's up. And then you move to the next person. I'm also sending a broadcast message into the breakout rooms, letting them know two minutes is up, switch to person two, two minutes is up, switch to person three. And then as soon as that eight minutes is over, because I'm keeping the time as well, we close the breakout rooms. Now, if they didn't get to everybody, that's on them. But here's why. So that is one of my rules of engagement. My rule of engagement is each breakout room is eight minutes and each person in that breakout room is going to get two minutes of airtime. And it's going to be timed. And when your two minutes are up, you move to the next person, whether that original person is done or not. The reason for that is because everybody gets seen and heard. Everybody gets to be the star student. Everybody gets equal amount of time. That is incredibly important. You don't give extra time either when somebody goes over. So if someone messages me and says, hey, we're not done. We need more time. It doesn't matter. My rule of engagement is eight minutes and we come back in the breakout. We come back into the main room. If I don't enforce that, well, guess what? Somebody else is taking over and it's the person saying, we need more time. We need more time. And now they're the one harnessing the power and I don't have the power. Thus, I lose control. Okay. So here are three things, three main goals I want you to take into consideration. By exercising and enforcing your power as the group leader, You're supporting and serving three main goals. Number one, protecting your clients in the group program. You're protecting them from, it could be, you could be protecting them from lots of different things. You could be protecting them from a click forming, a side click forming in your group. Just like I shared with you that, you know, that occurred in my clients program. You could be protecting them from getting bored. You could be protecting them from someone else in the group hijacking the entire conversation, hijacking the entire group, hijacking the entire experience. You could be protecting them from distractions. Remember that your clients are making an investment of time, money, and energy. They also are making sacrifices to be there. In fact, they used to be doing something else in the time slot that they are now showing up to your group calls or attending your in-person retreat. So your first goal to be in service of and to support by harnessing your power is protecting all of your clients. You are not just protecting one. You're protecting all of your clients. Every decision you make must be for the greater good of everybody in the group involved. And you must also be willing to be disliked. You must also be willing to be disliked. And you know, think about the, the story I shared with you about my client who had a member of her group become this ringleader of this little subculture, created her own Facebook group, had had calls, gossip sessions. She now feels like the leader of her little group. When my client had to address her, she probably didn't like my client, but my client had to be willing to not be liked by that ringleader and by her followers in order to protect the rest of the clients in the program. Your number two goal that you are in service of and supporting is equalizing your clients, which is essentially removing any air of hierarchy in the room. An example here, I am in a mastermind program with one of my mentors. His name is Michael Burnoff. I've been through basically like his, uh, all of his programs. And then once you get to the highest level group program, it's, it's a mastermind. And there are actually a lot of us in the mastermind 
the way the mastermind is run though, we have five or six in-person live events and not everybody comes to a live event. So there's usually 30 to 40 people. I would say like average 35 people in the room at the live events. So that's, re- that's pretty, that's a pretty intimate size group. I, I love that size group in person. It's great. And that's it. Like we only meet five or six times a year. There's, there's not all these like weekly calls in between. And when we meet, we only meet for one day. That day is long. It's about 14 to 16 hours. But here is how the group starts. We come in on a Thursday. We're told to arrive no later than three o'clock because we always have dinner at six o'clock. And the purpose of the dinner is to set the tone for the entire event. It is to loosen everybody up and it's to warm everybody up to each other where we we're in an informal, more social dinner setting where we're having conversation. And sometimes we are guided on what that conversation is supposed to be about. We're letting our guard down. We're getting to know people in a more intimate way so that the full day together, when we're in a room, literally sitting in a circle, facing each other, we are open-minded we're comfortable with each other. We're more willing to be vulnerable with ourselves and with each other in front of each other. Now that dinner is mandatory. You don't get to choose, well, do I want to come to the full day or do I want to come to the dinner? No, it's like you come to both or you don't come at all because if you don't come to the dinner at all, and then you just show up the next day, you're actually, it can disrupt things. Now, here's the part about equalizing the clients. Every client in that room is an entrepreneur. However, I've been in a part of that program for a year and a half. I have no idea how successful anybody else in that room is. And I have no idea how much money anybody else is making. I know I do not make the most money in the room. I can, you can just tell just based on some things. And I know I'm not the most successful one. There are people who have seven and multiple seven-figure businesses in that room. There are people who have sold businesses for millions of dollars in that room. Yet nobody knows that about each other. We're not talking about that. That's called equalizing your clients. And finally, the third goal that you are really supporting and are in service to is connecting your clients. Just because your clients are in the room together does not mean they feel a sense of belonging a sense of connection, or that they are a real community. Just because you built the container of the group program or the mastermind or the retreat, that does not equal bonding, connection, community, sense of belonging. Now, group program leaders, though, assume that. And that is not the best assumption to make. And I'll tell you why. I've been running my mastermind program called Rise to Legendary since January of 2018. And most of my clients stay for a minimum of two years. Some stay even longer and a few will only stay one year. In January of 2021, we had a virtual retreat for three days because uh, we still at that point weren't comfortable. Everybody wasn't comfortable traveling and being in person. And running a three-day retreat virtually is not the most fun thing because as a participant, there's just, there's just, you're just sitting at a desk looking at your computer in a Zoom room like you always are in your program. And so it's a different, it's a bit of a different experience. And because of that, I wanted to incorporate more breakout rooms. So at the very beginning of the tr- retreat on day one, we were about an hour in, we did our first breakout room and it was 
timed for 30 to 45 minutes. And when the participants came back from the breakout room, they had made a discovery that they shared with me. And the discovery that they made is that although they were part of the same mastermind, although they saw each other every single week on group calls, and although everybody was chatting in the group calls, being coached Q&A, they saw each other in the Zoom room every single week, they didn't know each other. They did not feel connected and they did not have bonds and they did not feel like they were an actual community. That was 100% my fault. 100% my fault. Because I was not doing my job fully to the fullest extent. And I falsely made the assumption they're here, they're adults, they see each other every week, they can bond, they can connect in their own time. I'm sure they're all getting together in between these calls. They weren't, they knew nothing about each other, even though they hurt each other every single week. As the leader of your group, retreat, event, mastermind, it's your job to create community. It is not done because you sold the program to a group of people who are now part of weekly Zoom calls or a Facebook group. It is your job to create community. And when you do, you'll see your client's level of engagement in the program go through the roof. Their results will increase. Their reliance on you to answer all their questions, tell them what to do, and give them all the scripts will drastically decline which means your stress and level of pressure also declines. And their desire to remain in your program for another iteration or two, plus invite new people into the program also increases. Therefore, you're extending the lifetime value of your client. And you're also extending your ability to lead that program because now you have less stress and pressure and you can spend less time. You must come up with ways for your clients to get to know each other. You must build this into your programs and you must lead it. Clients are not going to get to know each other. You have to come up with ways for your clients to get to know each other. Just because they're adults who want to be in community does not mean they're going to do that. It also doesn't mean they know how to do that properly or effectively. I would say this is one of the biggest missed opportunities I am seeing as a client in programs where this is not happening. And I'll tell you as a client in programs where the leader is not coming up with ways constantly to help clients get to know each other, I show up very little and I do not feel like I'm getting my money's worth in the program. And it's because of that right there. It's not because the program sucks. It's not because the content isn't incredible. It's not because the leader of the program isn't magnificent in their craft. But as someone who's in a group program or mastermind, the reason why we join groups and masterminds, I would say more than 50% of the reason is not to get access to the information from the leader. It is to build connection, community, and bonds with everybody else. That literally solves so many of the problems that you might be experiencing in your group programs. When you harness your power and you exercise and enforce that power throughout the entire duration of your group program, mastermind retreat, or event. So if you got any value out of today's episode, which I I trust that you did, I would love for you to tell us about that and leave a review. Let us know what you learned from today's episode Give us five stars if you felt like this was five stars. And also tell us what you 
you'd love for me to share about leading group programs, masterminds, retreats, and events, uh, let me know in your review. And also go ahead and get yourself registered for the Group Coaching Mastery Bootcamp that starts on April 26th, where I'm going to show you how to design and lead world-class group experiences for your clients so they stay highly engaged, get long-lasting results, continue to work with you, and send amazing referrals. And remember, make sure that you're building a business and life that is built to last. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.